0: What's up, everybody? It is the Golden Edge Podcast. Adam Hill and Ben Goetz are usually here with you, but it is me, Adam Hill, along with Dave Shane, who is just the guru of all things Golden Knights for us here at the Review Journal. Usually, we let him, you know, kind of sit it out and uh, handle things from a writing perspective. But today, Dave is in here to give his give give you guys his perspective on what is going on, and I'm kind of jealous. Because usually I'm sitting in the luxurious podcast studios of the Review Journal, and it's such a happy place for me to be in, but I'm actually on the road right now up in Calgary as we tape this podcast, so Dave is by himself in the podcast studios. Dave, I don't know if you were prepared for how luxurious things are around there. Are you, are you finding yourself comfortable in there? It is a great spot.
1: Oh, I'm way overdressed. Way overdressed. I have a polo, you know, and and like golf with like the the Oakley golf pants, and and I made I made sure you know I wasn't on camera for all this, you know. (laughs) Made sure I didn't have (laughs) to shave and and all that sort of good stuff.
0: Well, there you go. Well, you know, we are we are the number one podcast in the entire world. We tell you that every single week, whether you believe it or not, it's the case, and that is because we are discussing what is going on with the Golden Knights and. You know what, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Uh, This one, I've got to tell you, it's confusing to say what it is. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of negative feeling talk because the Knights are coming off one of their worst games of all time. Uh, It was a a disaster uh, last night in Calgary as we taped this on a uh, Tuesday morning. But at the same time, it's been a two-game road trip so far, two of three down in the books. And they played one of their better games, I thought, the other night in Edmonton, and then followed it up with an absolutely terrible game last night. So let's get with the bad first, Dave, because that's what we do around here. <laughs> what happened uh, in Calgary last night, and as we said, this is Tuesday morning, it was 7 nothing at the end of two periods. Really, I look at it as 5 nothing at the end of one period, and then you want to come out and try to build some momentum after that. And they come out and, and play poorly again in the second period, which I thought uh, was very disappointing. You know, they salvage a little bit something in the, in the third period, but I think all around that was just a, a horrific game for the Knights last night.
1: Yeah, I, I have probably no other way to put it, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, I know there was a lot of talk on Twitter about Malcolm Subban and, you know, was he hung out to dry, was it his fault, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, right from the start, I don't think he got any help in front of him. And it just goes back to effort and all those sorts of things we keep hearing over and over again, but it's the same issues that keep popping up over and over again, I, you know, in a, in a weird way, I'm wondering how much of a mirage that Edmonton game is in in the two periods they played really well. And obviously they just can their coach. Obviously, there's some issues up in Edmonton going on right now, too. Yeah. You know, so 6-3 went up there. You feel good. You know, the thing that I go back to, to be quite honest, is after the St. Louis game, when Gerard Gallant said he was more disappointed with the third period. And there wasn't any pushback. And I know when you're down 5 nothing and 7 nothing, it's hard to have pushback. And obviously, they won the third period. You know, there's something, I guess, positive to build off, off of that. But you're just not seeing that pushback, that fight. You, you saw it a little bit in Edmonton. And then you just kind of wonder, why aren't they able to consistently do that? It, it was something last year that was kind of a personality. You thought it started to become ingrained in their DNA as a, as a team and a franchise, but it's just not there this year for some reason.
0: Yeah. It's tough to say. And, you know, there's a lot to get into, but you mentioned Malcolm Subban. So let's, let's start there. Uh, I, you know, you look at, if you look at a hockey game and you see it's seven, nothing at one point and a seven, two to seven fi- two final. I think your immediate thought for most people is, wow, that goalie really sucked. Um, I don't. I don't think you can say that last night. I mean, listen, Subban made a couple of incredible saves. Now, if do you want to stop some of those that got by you? Of course, but you just look at it, if you break down goal by goal. I mean, there was little chance. It, you look at the defense; they were just letting guys walk in uncontested. They were letting guys set up in front of the net with no challenge whatsoever. Uh, they're just they're just letting way too many grade A chances take place. You know, Subban made a stop on a two on zero. Uh, it was, you know, a, a really nice save that he made coming back across the net. Like there were some really nice plays that he made, and I, I just I can't imagine that that they're looking at tape today and saying, oh yeah, Subban really should have stopped that one. He should have stopped that one. Those were just defensive lapses. And, and I thought I'll say defensive effort issues, where you can't just let guys, you know, take the puck, walk down, <laughs> just walk down the center of the ice, and have nobody challenge him. And expect goalies to make saves, it just doesn't happen, that was a really tough situation for Subban, and I thought, it was a game, you know, before the game, we talked to Glenn, and he said, listen, we want Subban to get confidence, we know he's a really good player, we need him to kind of be what he was last year, we want to, we want to give him confidence, because we're going to need him to play, you know, they've got three three games in four days coming up, he's going to have to play, so they want him to get some confidence, and the team just doesn't allow that to happen, and I'm putting most of those goals on the team and not
1: on Subban. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, that was, I don't know what the right hockey term for it was. If he got pulled, that would have been a team pull. That wouldn't have been on on Subban. And, you know, it was a really weird situation for, for Jurgalant and, and, you know, Dave Pryor, I guess, the goalie coach who probably, you know, is signaling down and, and things like that when he thinks a guy needs to come out. But, you know, you wanted to give Marc Andre Fleury rest, you didn't want to have to put him in there. And at the same time, you're balancing, like you said, not shredding Malcolm Subban's confidence and, and leaving him with something because, you know, the way it sets up right now, another back-to-back this week, he's playing against the Sharks. Sharks, obviously, in first place, you know, when that game is is on the 24th. So, you know, you don't want him to go in there and, and feel shaky and things like that. And, and I guess there was enough maybe for him to build off of, you know, there's probably a couple positives, like you said, the two. I know that – I mean, that game – As bad as it was in the first period, it could have or should have been worse if it wasn't for Subban making a few of those saves. That's kind of the scary part. That's the thing if, you know, if I'm in a coaching room and and things like that, you know, I mean, it was just such a poor effort in front of him. I don't know what it was like. You probably obviously would have more of a sense being up there and what the guys were talking about and, you know, exonerating Malcolm and, and things like that, I'm sure. But, I I mean, those goals, there was one in particular. I don't remember if it was in the second period. Maybe it was late in the first. I think it was, if if I remember right, it was on a power play. And I remember watching it, and the puck was in the corner, and all four of the penalty killers for the Golden Knights were kind of flowing to the puck. And Johnny Goudreau was just kind of standing all alone in the slot on the other side, nobody even within 20 feet of him. Well, the Flames ended up winning that battle in the corner, The puck ended up going to Goudreau. He made a pass to Monaghan, if I remember right. Or, no, he made the pass to Kachaka, hit the post, and then Monaghan quickly put the rebound in. I think it might have been the fourth goal. But it was, you know, I'm not going to get into the X's and O's and say that I know more than a coach in in terms of where guys should have been on the ice. But as I'm watching that, I just was saying out loud, like there's too much on the, uh, you know, too many guys on one side of the ice here. If that puck gets to him, it's in. There's not anything Malcolm Subban can really do. I mean, one or two of them, yeah, maybe steal a save, you know. And, and he did that on the two-on-zero. He did that in a couple of extra situations, and you know, maybe that's what separates a, a backup goalie from an elite goalie and, and things like that. Maybe he needed to steal one or two of those saves and, and lift his team. I, I don't know, but but you certainly can't fault him. That that's that's kind of the bottom line with all of this discussion is, you know, those seven goals for the most part, I, I wouldn't put at least one or two. Maybe he stops. Maybe he doesn't. But the rest of them, for sure. I, I mean, those those are those are on the team. Those are on the guys in front of him.
0: It's funny, it's funny that you mentioned the one or two because I'm actually uh, writing a story right now as we speak, and uh, I said, you know, it's either one or two goals that you might put on Subban. The rest of them, it's the team. And, and after the game, uh, as you mentioned, I was able to talk to some guys, and right away, I mean, unsolicited, they were coming out and just saying how bad they felt for what they did to Subban and. Riley Smith in particular said, you know, it could have been 14-0. Different for some of the saves that Subban was making out there. Um, they, they just felt bad because I think the team in general knows, you know, Subban is going to have to be a factor unless they make a move at some point. You know, they're going to need Subban to uh, to play. You know, Flurry can't play every night. And, you know, three games in four days coming up, uh, they've got, you know, they've got a, a spot where Subban's going to have to play in one of them. Um, they need him to be confident he was – thirteen and four last year. I mean he was he was very effective and very serviceable for them and they just haven't gotten it out of him this year as being oh and four but again not really putting the goals on him. You mentioned uh, you know perhaps playing against San Jose on Saturday. Uh, I was wondering if he if they play Superman Friday or Saturday. It's gonna be one of them in the back to back with three games in four days. I don't know if you throw him back out there against the Flames or you throw him out there against the Sharks and what, you know, we know is kind of developing into a rivalry. Uh which which would you do if you're in that spot? Now Pryor Pryor's kind of tough to predict. Uh but I I might throw him out there against the flames again, but man, if it happened again, that the confidence level would be just just awful, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean I think, you know, if I'm gonna try to get into Dave Pryor's head, that's you know, that's gonna be a total <laughs> that's a trip right there. Um I would venture to say, and if it was me I would try to keep the same routine in terms of if Flurry starts the first game of a back-to-back thing and come back with Suban and not trying to kind of, you know, mess with, with with sort of the routine, I guess, which would set him up to play against the Sharks, avoiding the Flames. Um, you know, I know there was a situation earlier when they were on that road trip in Nashville, St. Louis, where Gerard Gallant, they wanted to get him a game, and they decided that Nashville was the place to do it because he had had success there. So I wonder if things like that factor in on the opposite way, and if you just got yeah. bombed by you know by Calgary, do you really want to face them four or five days later, or is he going to be super motivated and pumped up to play them, and and maybe that's you know maybe you do want to throw him out there. I, the, the it's an interesting psychology that goes into uh to goaltending and, and goaltending coaching. I think that's why Gerard Gallant's always like, yeah, that's that's Dave Pryor's department. <laughs> I let him deal with that.
0: Yes, I thought it was interesting. Nick Holden last night said uh, several players went on their own up to Subban and apologized to him after the game. Uh, Gerard Nolant said he had not talked to Subban, and we know that's kind of the routine with uh, Gerard Nolant. He leaves the goaltenders up to the goaltender coach. So we shall see which of these three games Subban gets. Uh, I would imagine it would be Friday or Saturday, uh, either against the Flames or Sharks when the Knights return home. So that wasn't obviously the only issue uh, inconsistency is a major issue. We've already talked about this. Um, I guess what you can say, you kind of hinted at already. You know, I think the you know the, the prevailing wisdom out there um, was, hey, they played really, really well on Sunday night and really, really terrible on Monday. Uh, and and this inconsistency inconsistency is just haunting this team. It's been a month to the day today since they won back-to-back games. That was a three-game winning streak earlier in the year. Uh, it hasn't happened yet. It's win loss, win loss, and um, they're just you know not finding a way to stack up points and stack up wins, which is something that you need to do, and something that they did very well last year. Uh, but maybe it's not inconsistency. Maybe they're just not that good, and the good games are the anomaly.
1: Yeah, I mean, the further this goes along, I mean, that just becomes the reality. It's what, what are they? There's a saying in the NFL. I think you you are what your record is, something along those lines. You know, I mean, if you're 9-12-1 and and these things keep happening over and over, maybe, you know, maybe it's – maybe there's a reason for it, I guess. Maybe it's because, you know, they struggle to hit the net uh, shooting percentage and things like that. Just just getting a puck on net seems to be sometimes an issue in some of these games. I I don't want to say these guys are, you know, regressing to the mean and, you know, they are kind of who they are. Last year was, you know, such an anomaly – the one thing i keep going going back to i thought ed's story really nailed it today and and i've thought this for a little bit is there's just there's not there's not any sandpaper in in their game and in their locker room and i guess you know ryan reeves is is ryan reeves and and he does his job on the ice and he's kind of evolved as a hockey player it's been really neat to see and Derek England will, you know, answer the bell and things like that. And I don't think – it's not so much, you know, a physical toughness or whatever, but, you know, what Ed was alluding to a lot with uh, Jimmy, uh, James Neal, you know, it's just some of that sandpaper, and, and you don't see it this year. And I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, contracts that, that folks got comfortable or if there's just not that, um, you know, internal pressure in that locker room, something – it just feels like something's missing in terms of that element of everything. You know, I don't know how much Paul Stastny would, would have been able to add to that. You know, obviously Eric Halla has a, you know, a, a personality that that can be a little bit loud when he needs to be and and things like that. Um, obviously, he's not going to be around, but it just feels like there's something missing. And and you know, last year with what happened in October, and it was such a, it was such a a, a point. For everybody to rally around the team, the community, um, the way the the team rallied around the community, the, the way the community rallied around the team, and you know, obviously, I'm I'm certainly never ever ever in, you know saying that we need a tragedy to turn this team around. That that's right. You know that'd be you know terrible to imply or anything. But they need a rallying point. They need something. Whether whether it's a trade, whether it's bringing somebody up um just something something to rally this team around because I feel like that element of of what's going on is just kind of missing and it's showing up on the ice I think that's where the inconsistency you know kind of shows up on the ice holding each other accountable and and things like that I know there's accountability but there's some element of that that seems to be just just absent right now well I think you know
0: more bluntly what you know James Neal could be a jerk, and you know I, I think I, I I don't I'm not saying he's always a jerk. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I like James Neal. I think a lot of guys in the locker room like James Neal, but he could also be that guy that after the game is like, hey, you guys suck. What's going on? Like get together. Like he could be that that gruff as you mentioned the sandpaper, um and and I don't know that they have that guy. The chemistry might be too good, and th- that's something that I asked, um you know I asked Alex talk about when he was in the studio with us a couple weeks ago. I was like, when everybody gets along and everybody's so so friendly with each other and, you know, just likes each other so much and is all friends, you know, is it, is it bad when things are not going well to all still be friends? Do you need the guy to kind of be in there and be like, what's the matter with you? Um, and I don't know if they have that. I think, I, I think Jonathan Marchessault maybe is a little bit of that guy, uh, but maybe not enough. And maybe you need some sort of personality like that. And maybe it is a shake-up or something like that that needs to happen, but... Uh, you need something to disrupt what's going on now. I think is um, the the key to it, and they just haven't found that yet. I think they were hoping just getting Nate Schmidt back would be that. I think they warned um, they warned people in a lot of ways to say, "Hey, just getting him back, even though he's a great player and we love playing with him and we love him, is going to be good, but it doesn't fix everything." And I think for one night, you know, I, I know the headline of my story was you know, it's a, it's, it'll be great to have him back, but it's not magical, and after the win uh, in, on Sunday, I had a couple of people on Twitter saying, you said it wasn't magical, look, it's magic, uh, I think it might have been a little bit of fool's gold uh, that, you know, they come out and have a, a nice win, it doesn't fix everything, and they they knew that, and they said that, uh, but last night we kind of saw, yeah, just getting one guy back is not going to be the, the be-all, end-all solution to everything that's gone wrong, and you know they followed up a, a good win with a perf- you know poor performance and um, I, I don't know it's just it's a a continuing problem that we're seeing out of this team uh, leading into that what have what has been your thoughts of of Nate Schmidt and how he has played because you know I think you look at the team as a whole and say oh he played well one game and not so well the other game because that's how the outcome was but uh, what have you seen from him uh, so far in two games back
1: I mean, to be quite honest, that's probably how I would assess it. I, I thought he was pretty good in Edmonton, and I didn't notice him nearly as many make you know positive plays uh, last night. I mean, that game was just a clunker. I mean, just all yeah. around. I mean, offense, defense, special teams, you know, their penalty kill had been so good, and then they just got torched. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, what I think Nate Schmidt brings is – an element of speed and, and pace to everybody's game. He does things quickly on the ice, whether it's carrying the puck, um, you know, making him, him passes and, and things like that. It forces everybody else to play a little faster. I think that's what they got into a good rhythm for two periods in Edmonton. And obviously Edmonton kind of sat back and let them do it a little bit. I think you know, Tom McClellan probably. You know, I don't want to say that game cost him his job because I think there's other things going on. You know, but clearly, I think there were some issues. If you're looking at that from the Edmonton standpoint, where you're just kind of going, you know, what are we, you know? We're not even trying to play defense here. Um, so yeah, I do think it was a little bit of fool's gold. I do think there were some elements that you would like to see them be able to just take forward on a consistent basis. The fact that, you know. I know it's a back to back but it's a short travel they should have been rested they should have been you know energized and feeling good coming off of that coming off of that Edmonton game and I don't know if they just thought they could just roll the pucks out and you know and no big deal or it, I don't know if that's kind of the issue right now where they they're just too comfortable um in that regard where they feel like you know okay we played a good game now we got to figure it out and then the next game they they don't um, they just haven't been able to put those consistent efforts, you know, and this goes back to, you know, you feel good after the Ottawa game, maybe, you know, going in the road trip and they played pretty well against, you know, Toronto, even though they didn't get the result, they win in Ottawa, you know, and then they just kind of, they were a mess against Mon- uh, Montreal, weren't able to hold a lead. And then Boston, they just didn't have anything on the, on the back to back. So, you know, I mean, it's at least a couple times now on a back to back that they've just... Just not had legs, not had effort, been flat. I think that was the, the term I used last night on Twitter to somebody. You know, they just looked flat, which to me was kind of inexcusable. I don't, I don't quite understand in that situation. You know, how you're not trying to build off that Edmonton game, but you know, maybe like you alluded to earlier, maybe they, this team unfortunately just doesn't have the ability right now to do that.
0: Yeah, it's troubling, and you mentioned a couple of the up and downs. Um, I thought the
1: the really troubling game lately
0: uh, was the St. Louis game, where yeah. you know they come out, they have a two game homestand, uh, they've got you know the return of nation on the horizon, but you've got two games against you know very very beatable teams at home, where you still have been pretty good, and you come out and, and you know put up a really nice effort in shutting out the Ducks, and you, you look like you've gotten things together, you got some things figured out. Uh, then you've got a last-place St. Louis team coming in, which, by the way, also just fired their coach. Um, but this is before they had, they had done that. They, you know, St. Louis is coming in; it's a last-place team. You've already seen them once, and you come out and just don't have anything. And I thought that was a huge red flag uh, that maybe we, you know, maybe we didn't quite pay enough attention to. But it was—I thought it was bad—and. You know, then you come out and play well again. Uh, you know, well enough against Edmonton, and then uh, the, the absolute stinker uh, against uh, against Calgary last night, which uh, is exactly how Gerard Lawton referred to it after the game. It was, you know, just not good. So, you know, I, I think we've kind of addressed. You know, what what can they do going forward? Is you know, you've got to try to maybe shake things up, maybe make changes, maybe maybe it's internally, maybe you know they. We know that they had a closed door meeting a couple weeks ago. Um, maybe it's, it's something the players need to do. I, I don't. I don't have the answers, and I think that was something Riley Smith said last night. He said, "You know, right now we just don't have the answers. We, you know, if we knew what we had to do, we would do it. Uh, but right now, the, the answers just aren't there, and they just can't find any sense of, of consist- consistency of being able to build." you know, one win into another win and maybe stack two or three wins together and get right back in it because that's the bottom line. Is As bad as it's been, the division is, is such that you win three straight games, I mean, your your problems aren't solved, but you're right back in the mix. So they're, they're falling behind, but it's not like, you know, it's not like this dire situation right now, but I think the standings don't reveal how much, you know, I guess... How bad the situation might be, if you want to say it. Like, the standings look like, okay, you can get right back in it, but the team hasn't given any indication that they'd be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, the, and then the crazy thing is, if they're somehow able to go down, play a good game, and, and get two points in Arizona, come back home, and put two back to back efforts together, you know, I mean, we're talking doom and gloom right now. And then all of a sudden, I mean, they could be you know what uh Calgary's got 25 points leading the Pacific Division right now tied with San Jose Golden Knights have 19 points they are 3 points out of third place so i mean yeah. as bad as we're you know we're talking about how poorly they're playing and and inconsistent and things like that and and this could all change by Sunday that's the crazy thing because oh, you know because of the the, the the division it's just there's nobody you know, that's really run away. I mean, Vancouver's in third place. They're 10, 11, and (laughs) 2, you know? I mean, the goal differential is, I think there's one or two teams that maybe have a positive goal differential. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that absolutely is kind of saving their rear ends right now that nobody's, you know, there's not two or three teams It's not the central where, you know, you've got Nashville and Winnipeg and, you know, Minnesota that are, like, running away with it. Um, They're still, that's the crazy thing. If they're able to get this you know, get this on the right track and, and put a few games together, um, you know, they're right there. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about the issues and just kind of why and what they can do. And it, it's so multi-layered. And, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting was George McPhee, I believe, in Toronto a couple weeks ago or last week had mentioned, you know, that they just don't have the organizational depth right now to overcome this. They don't have you know, say, a first-round pick from the 2015 draft that's been in the AHL doing very well, you know, that they can just bring up. They don't have, you know, guys in their pipeline like that. I mean, obviously, you know, there's talk of Eric Brandstrom and what can they do with him and give him 10 games or nine games and, and things like that, you know. But, I mean, you look at the forward line, you know, for the Chicago Wolves, you know, Daniel Carr and Gage Quinney, uh... Brooks Masek is obviously doing well, but, you know, these are not guys that you would just expect that you could plug into a top six and, or even, you know, on a third line maybe and say, okay, these are, these are guys that are going to fix our, our problem. You know, Brandon Peary came up late last year, had a couple goals. Could he, you know, inject some life? I, I don't know. But, you know, I also well, I, think I it's 28 year old journeyman. I know that a
0: lot, that's what a lot of people, that's what a lot of people want. That's what they want to see and, and have that happen. The issue that you're I mean that you're pointing out is there's no guarantee it'll happen. It. I think the the bigger the bigger thing when you do that is not that you think one of those guys is gonna come up and give you, you know, six goals in four games and just tear things up. I think it might just be about the message. It might just be about the message to guys of hey, nobody's job is safe. Yeah. Um, if you continue to play like this, this you know, these things can happen. This is a business. I know we're all good you know, we're all love each other and we're all You know, we have this great, you know, locker room. But you know, if things need to happen, they'll make the switch. And I think that might be the point of making a move like that, more so than thinking one of those guys is just going to be great at this level.
1: I mean, that's a good point. and, And clearly, what we've seen from you know George McPhee and his time here is he's not afraid to you know make a move and take the emotion out of it and do what he thinks is best, you know, for the team for the organization at that time if he feels like. You know, one of those guys can, you know, be a a kick in the rear end for somebody. Um, You know, I don't want to start naming names and things, but, you know, yeah, maybe that is what they need. Maybe they do need just a reminder that, you know, hey, this is an expansion team, and yeah, everything was great last year, but, you know, we're still an organization that needs to play hard every single night and outwork a team, you know, to win. It just, you know, I don't know. It just it feels like if it was me and, and I was looking at this as a fan, what would be concerning about the whole thing is the work ethic part of it just keeps showing up and you keep hearing about not working hard enough and things like that. And, you know, that's, that's an element that professional athletes and NHL hockey players should always be able to control, I guess, you know, is, is their effort and, and how hard they're working and things like that. So to hear that part of it continually you know, being brought up, that's the most concerning thing. And if it takes, you know, a call up, like you said, to, to spark something and just, you know, get everybody going and juiced and, and whatever it might be. Yeah, maybe that's the easiest way to do it. Uh, you know, rather than make a trade, you know, rather than scour the waiver wire or something like that, you know, is, is find an internal answer, find an internal spark.
0: Or, or make the trade, or or, or do or do something. <laughs> I think I just think there, there needs to be a message sent more so that I'm not saying go out and try to find the the star player out there somewhere that you think is going to come in and you know just just dazzle everybody and blow people away with their stats. It's just I, I think make a trade for the you know there's somebody that's going to help, but somebody something that's going to just kind of send a message and spark things. And you know, of course, you want fun from productive people too. But um, I, I just I think maybe the message just needs to be sent more clearly uh, than it's being sent at this point. And, and, you know, we talk about the fact that the standings are what's keeping them kind of afloat right now. Like, they're not falling too far behind. They're right in it. They, you know, they've got three games in four days. They went all three. All of a sudden, it's a completely different outlook on things. But what you don't want to do is rely on that and just say, well, nobody's really playing well. We're right in it. We'll figure it out at some point. And then find yourself in February, you know, 12 points out of a playoff spot and thinking, okay, now we need to make a change to make a spark. Uh, I think that's the danger of kind of relying on the standings as your, um, you know, as your savior at this point of, well, we're right in it. Nobody's running away with things. We'll be fine. Cause at some point that might not be the case.
1: I remember last year, somebody, maybe it was even uh, the uh, VGK insider folks um, who had asked Nate Schmidt about um, when do you kind of know what you have? as a team and, and he said, usually Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, you usually have a pretty good idea, you know, if you're gonna be a contender, if you need, you know, to make some fixes and things like that and definitely by Christmas. And, and the reality is obviously Thanksgiving is this week and you can start to oh, yeah. do the math and, and figure out, you know, look, they're nine, 12 and one and, you know, 19 points, at what point, at what pace do they need to play at for the rest of the season to kind of get to that magic 95-point mark because that's always been, you know, the number in the last few years since these three-point games have come along. Usually you get to 95 points, you're pretty much guaranteed in the playoffs. So, you know, I'm terrible at math. I can't do it in my head. But (laughs) But at some point here, you know, once you get to Thanksgiving, you start to look at it. I mean, they really need to play at a pace where they're, you know, picking up points. And obviously these Pacific Division games you know, kind of the four-point swings, you're able to do that. But there's a reality here where you can't just keep plugging along and, and you know, maybe win a couple games. And, you know, they need to start stringing wins together, stringing, you know, two points, four points, six points together and and really picking up some steam here because, you know, otherwise they're just going to run out of time.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's not there yet, but it's, it's getting to that point for sure. And uh, just the continued... You know, big opportunities, like, as we said, the St. Louis game, the the Calgary game yesterday, which these divisional games are four points. That was another concerning thing. Um, There's just a laundry list of things that were concerning, I suppose. But, you know, they've been so good against the division, that was another divisional opportunity that, um, you know, we talk about being four-point games and how well they've been in those. That was a four-point swing the other way, uh, which was not good. You know, that St. Louis game wasn't a divisional game, but it was a game that, you know, you're playing a last place team at home, you want to get those two points and you didn't. Uh, those opportunities are slipping away quickly and you know, I don't want to go too in, in detail on uh, the other thing that you mentioned, which was the penalty kill. Um, maybe just an aberration yesterday, but I thought maybe the not, not being ready to work hard early led to some penalties being taken. It led to open plays even in the five-on-five, five, but then kind of some lazy penalties and then the penalty kill is all about working and you know they've gone uh they've stopped 29 of the last 32 power plays last night three of six just an awful effort all around I thought that was a really indicative number of the performance yesterday
1: yeah I I would agree with that and I mean the the other side of it too is let's give Calgary some credit here because yeah you, you know obviously they've been a little Jekyll and Hyde to begin with but you know they made some trades in the off seasons. they' or in the off season they you know, clearly have a new coach and and a little bit of a of a, of an attitude, I guess adjustment and things like that. You know, now that they've seemed like they have a goaltender that's reliable, I you know, maybe that's a team that that starts to push, you know, the sharks and and things like that. I mean, I thought especially Goudreau, there was a couple passes. you know, just very unselfish. you could see the chemistry that that line you know has them when they got going that's the one you know the knights just didn't make it hard on that on that line they just too much open ice too much creativity um you know i mean tip tip your cap cap a little bit to the flames i mean you know they look good uh, a lot of that was the knights and and we've talked about them and we've we've banged on them pretty hard but you know a lot of that too was the flames playing pretty well and you know they if they play like that they i think they're going to be a team that that probably is you know, hanging near the top of the division uh, for most of, if not, you know, the rest of the season. But again, yeah, penalty kill to me, you know, I understand it's not always about just keeping your shape and keeping your box, but they just seemed, you know, like they were running ragged at at times. I remember even, was it the St. Louis game? I had made a comment about how they got picked apart by some really good passing. Maybe it was Edmonton. You know, there's just been a couple cases where, I mean, yeah, good on the other team, but guys are just running all over up top, and they and they're just you know out of position. It feels like Um, giving the other team too much time and space, and and not being able to close them down. I mentioned, I think, was that fourth goal last night that you know just all four guys just seemed to flow and. And I understand you want to support the puck and, and things like that, but I also think there's, you know, you have to be aware of of what else is around you and who else is out on the ice and and not just kind of getting caught puck watching. I felt like there were some times a little bit on that PK where they were just kind of puck watching and, and just got out of position. You know, even on that first goal, yeah, maybe Subban can make that first save, but Kachuk walks right in. I mean, he's got so much room. It just seemed to happen time and time again, those you know, those first few penalties. And, yeah, maybe it's an aberration. Maybe it was just, a, you know, one game and, and things like that. And you'd like to, you know, compliment that PK because it's been so good. But, yeah, last night it was just, you know, just another, uh, you know, all part of the problem, I guess you could say.
0: Well, there you go. I, I think we maybe have depressed Golden Knights fans enough for today. <laughs> uh, but I guess that's what happens when you tape the podcast the day after a 7-2 loss. Uh, to a divisional opponent like that. Um, three games in four days, big opportunity for the Golden Knights lays ahead, uh, including the big one against the Sharks on Saturday. But every game is big. Every game matters the same in the end. And uh, we will see what the Golden Knights are able to do. Dave, terrific job. We are thrilled that you are here on the Golden Edge podcast this week. I hope that you had a good time.
1: Of course. Thanks for carrying me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. You uh, you're wonderful. We'll, we'll check in with you again very soon. And Ben will be back next week. I know the joy and enthusiasm will follow. No question about that, as it always does with Ben. So uh, we hope he enjoys his break, his time away. We hope you guys out there enjoy your Thanksgiving. And uh, if you keep checking up on the Golden Knights here at the Review Journal with the Golden Edge podcast, the videos, everything else we do, reviewjournal.com check that out and also keep sending in your questions for our mailbag i know dave's working on that and uh we'll be back with the facebook live mailbag next week but everything you need at reviewjournal.com to the golden edge adam hill and dave shane we'll talk to you guys again next week